Welcome back. I feel like we need a better opener than hello, everyone. Do we? I I mean, it just feels so podcast cliche, doesn't it? Just like, hey, everybody. Or yo, everybody. And then <laughs> what else are you going to do? Joe like, Rogan what? already has like. What's up, freak bitches? I don't know. You could do something like. Uh, maybe if we started naming our listeners, we, we name them like. What's up, biddies? Biddies? I'm just I'm just spitballing. Who's, I know you don't like that's, it. That's not a name. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Biddies. You could have at least like, named any of the people on our Slack. <laughs> Instead, you came up with a random name that... No, like know. a nickname for people that listen to us. Like, oh, like, uh, oh, biddies. Okay, get it. Bitcoin people. I don't like that. Yeah. TBZs? <laughs> No. Podcastians. T T B T B Peers. T B Peers. Nah, that's too much. Just roll off the tongue. T B Pians. T B Pians? <laughs> Maybe. Hey T B Pians. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Podcast. This is episode two hundred and eighty nine. That is right. Uh what is that? Doscientos ochenta y nueve. That's a lot of episodes. Oof. We're putting them out. We're about to cross the big three hundo. But yeah, uh, say, anyways, yeah. I'm the host that talks first. And Dean. I am the other host, Dr. Corey Petty. Uh, it's the holiday. We aren't, we aren't spending a lot of time doing research on what to talk about. Uh, but we have an awesome interview. Yeah, we do. So we like to have, we either have a banging ass round table or a banging ass interview. Sometimes both, once both, oof. But since it's the holiday, it's been spinning. It's, in fact, how was your Christmas, man? I was laid back. Went up to Ohio, saw the family, Aaron's family, and uh, kind of relaxed. Just didn't do anything for a while, which was like, a different pace for me. Been meaning to like write. I wanted to like, right while i was up there uh that didn't happen i ended up, I ended up reading a lot dope i uh it was pretty much the same for me i've done a lot of drinking of nice beer uh eating good food we grilled pizzas last night learned that from you except for i had to make the dough from scratch so how'd that, that turn was, out it turned out really good actually yeah it's you actually made, you super made good easy dough from scratch? It's, yeah it's super easy you just get the yeast you get 
and you get instant yeast, so it'll rise really quick. Oh yeah, I always had to like wait a day. Nah, you can wait three days if you want if you get like regular yeast, but if you get instant yeast, you only have to wait about an hour and a half. And um, yeah, it turned out phenomenal actually. Got a little brick, uh, little grill, little pizza brick, and that was good. And then I wrote up like a proposal, like a curriculum for this class I'm trying to teach. It's been a good, it's been a good break. Right on. Yeah. So uh, this this uh this interview was sparked by uh, Alicia, our our producer. Um, mm-hmm. Basically saying, hey, if anyone listened to this podcast series, uh, and me saying no, and her highly recommending it. And me looking into it, listening to it, and saying we need to talk to him, <laughs> and it's awesome. It's a uh, it's, it's yeah. about scams. It's about scams and what we could do better as an entire industry, and um, all kinds of things. It's good stuff. Yeah, if you were listening to last week's episode, I kind of dropped the nugget that uh, it's a social immunity, um, and with the crypto community's immune system. It's like sometimes we don't learn, I guess. It's, it's like our antibiotic antibiotics are running low. It's just, you know, the same scams keep happening over and over again. And I guess with this specific scam, the OneCoin scam, which a lot of you guys knew about, very few of you talked about it in Slack, but it was like, it was like such a scam that you guys just dismissed it immediately. But then like billions of people, millions, not billions, but millions of people Billions of dollars, millions of people. Billions of dollars, millions of people started to just miss out and lose out because they were involved in this scam. And it's like, okay, well, I guess we there's better steps to take. Like, what are the better steps to take? If we know something's a scam, do we stop, halt the presses on everything that we're doing just to, like, just spread the word that, like, yes, this is a scam. This is this is a scam. Like everybody, look and point at it and identify it and scream it from the mountaintops. Like what's what's a proper protocol? What's a proper I don't know response to situations like this? Well, he like we bring up some ideas in the interview about it because we we ask these questions quite a bit about in, inside the interview, and he's got good ideas. Um, and a lot of it isn't. It's never going to work if you talk within your own community, right? If you're just talking to the people who already know things, who already know to wipe, like to, to like, you know, dismiss mm-hmm. it as ridiculous, and have that intuition, then nothing's really going to change. You got to go to the people who don't, and that's hard. Yeah. Right? If we, it's it's already hard to bring the technology appropriately to the people. Simultaneously going to them and saying this is a scam when probably to them it looks exactly the same. Is a really hard. It's a really hard battle to fight. Yeah, it's impossibly hard. Is it? But well, Maybe. I wouldn't say it's impossibly hard. It's not impossibly hard. It is really difficult, though. If you listen to the podcast, "The Missing Crypto Queen," it's almost like if people want to fall for a scam, damn it, they're going to, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Like that's 
Yeah. Like that's what it kind of feels like at the very end of the day. And I wonder, it made me wonder, like listening to this one, I was like, well, some of those behaviors I, I exhibited at one point when I was infatuated with Bitcoin, I don't think I do anymore, but I guarantee there's probably someone in my circle saying the same things about Bitcoin. And I just wasn't listening. Cause I was like, yeah, no, no, Bitcoin is Bitcoin is that shit. So you hear those babies? No. Okay. My nephew is losing his fucking mind right now upstairs. This is ridiculous. But anyways, <laughs> uh Let's just get into it. It's a, it's a it's a decently long interview. We have a good conversation. Let's just get into it. Okay. Let the people well, get the without people what further they want. ado. This is Jamie, the direct the director, producer, the creator, the the man himself who uh, is pretty much responsible, not solely responsible, but responsible for the missing crypto queen, which is a story about a woman who pulls a veil over everyone's eyes in the form of something called one coin. Uh, we hope you go listen to that. We hope you enjoy this interview. Um, here it is. Uh, we have another interview for you today. Uh, we have Jamie Bartlett from The Missing Crypto Queen from BBC. Uh, we're really happy to have him on as uh, Alicia, um, our, our producer, turned me on to this and I had not heard about it whatsoever and ran through it quite rapidly and was fascinated by uh, not only the production quality of, of, of how it was made, but the content and implications on everything that we talk about in this podcast. So, um, Jamie, why don't you give us a quick introduction as to what turned you on to this and, and, and why you're here? Oh, man, that's a big opener. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> you know, I've been studying cryptocurrencies for quite a long time. I wrote a book in 2014 about the dark now. I was looking at Bitcoin, really interested in the whole area. And then just over a year ago, BBC producer gets in touch and says, oh, you know about cryptocurrencies, Jamie. So what do you think about OneCoin? And I said, what? And she said, you know, OneCoin, the multi-billion dollar cryptocurrency. And I said, I've never heard of this OneCoin. What are you talking about? So that's strange. So I started looking <laughs> into it along with her, Georgia. Um, and how, how to summarize this crazy story. 2014, a woman turns up out of nowhere. Her name is Dr. Ruja Ignatova and says to the world, I have a new cryptocurrency. It's like Bitcoin, but it's going to be even better. And you might think you've missed the Bitcoin boat, but don't worry. Because one coin's just starting. It's very cheap. It's easy to use. Get in now on the ground floor and you can become rich, just like all those Bitcoiners who bought a, what was that guy that sold a pizza and it was ended up being worth $10,000 or whatever it was. Oh, it was 10,000 Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So a little so more she's than that. saying this <laughs> and with yeah, a little bit more, yeah. So she says, she says all this and then this idea spreads around the world so quickly uh, and by 2017 over 4 billion euros has been invested into one coin before she dr ruja disappears in october of that year october 2017 never to be seen again her coin one coin is in fact a essentially a hybrid ponzi pyramid scam and it is still going today. 
And the podcast was us trying to find her and unravel how this scam worked. And like I said, it was, uh, I think, beautifully done and shows um, a part of this space. Like we, we mainly focus on the technology and its potential social implications and what it's going, what's going on and where it's going, but rarely get to dive into, I think, some of the negative consequences of people's ability around the misinformation and technicalities of these things. You sum it up quite nicely. Um, maybe not, maybe not incomplete, but it's, it's a good talking point on episode eight, which is the last episode of the podcast. I wanted to play that real quick for us to hear, um, and then talk from there. Yeah. This is the side of the amazing digital revolution that you rarely see. We live in an age of hype, where so many of us believe in the power of the latest tech to solve the world's problems. Venture capitalists in London boardrooms, politicians on TV and technologists in Silicon Valley, they all talk up every latest invention. But too much hype and too much hope is a dangerous thing. It obscures the truth and fogs the mind with delusions. And 10 years after that brilliant idea in an obscure internet forum to create Bitcoin, hype and hope have helped to decimate villages in rural Uganda. It would be comforting to think that this was just the work of one evil genius. That would be easier to understand and easier to stop. But Dr. Ruja has identified and exposed the weak points in our social immune system which have allowed this to happen. She knew there would be enough people, either desperate enough or greedy enough or confused enough, to take a bet on one coin. She knew that truth and lies are getting harder to tell apart when there's so much contradictory information online. And she knew that society's defence against OneCoin, the lawmakers, the police, and also us in the press, would struggle to understand what was happening. And she knew that by the time we realised it, she'd be gone. Huh. Sounds pretty good, actually. I haven't heard that back now for a couple of months. Yeah, it was uh, like, once again, quality production. Uh, Also, Mm -hmm. like, a a good recap of... um, yeah. So, I guess the shenanigans you go about of, of trying to figure out this ridiculously complex story. Um, how do you feel about cryptocurrency now? I've always liked cryptocurrency. I've never, I've, I've always been someone that thought it had a load of interesting applications. I can see so clearly the certain possibilities and uses, and not just for cryptocurrencies, but also for the technology, the distributed ledger technology, or whatever people. I know there's arguments now about what words to use and you've got your Bitcoin maximalists and you've got your other groups and people are rowing a little bit, but stepping away from some of those things, there's obviously, you know, technology like that doesn't come around too often. It's really exciting. What was very frustrating about doing this podcast was to see how scammers were very, very quick to spot the amount of hype floating around cryptocurrencies, the fact people wouldn't understand the technology. And that left a lot of people who'd maybe read a couple of articles about Bitcoin in 2015, 16, and just wanted a piece of the action. And every time any new technology like this comes along, 
yeah, the early investors are really into it and the experts are into it, but the scammers are looking around for the latest opportunity to take advantage of the next wave of ordinary people who don't get the tech. And that's really what this story was about, people using the hype and the hope of Bitcoin. And the reason I'm guessing most of your listeners haven't heard of OneCoin or hadn't heard of OneCoin was because it was it, it took off in a completely different world to the crypto experts. Essentially, do you, you know how sort of multi-level marketing works? Oh, yeah. My parents were involved with many of them growing up. Same as. My mum was an Avon lady. You know, she was selling beauty products and she was, you know, Tupperware and all of that stuff to her friends and her friends' friends. And you build this pyramid structure beneath you. Essentially, what this scam really was, forget the crypto side of it, because there was no real crypto side of it. It was an old-fashioned pyramid-selling scam that used a fake cryptocurrencies as the product, which is actually genius because it's an amazing product to sell through this multi-level marketing system. You don't need to have your garage full of crap and boxes full of rubbish that you've got to force on your friends and family. You can tell them instead, if they invest now, they're buying the next Bitcoin. So it's going to go up in value. You don't even need to put anything in your cupboard or in your garage. It's amazing. And that's one of the reasons it spread so quickly, that genius idea, essentially, to take multi-level marketing and twin it with a fake cryptocurrency and then blind everybody with the kind of talk of an, an amazing financial revolution. Mm. So, Corey, I'll be shelving my idea for two coin. That's the whole but, that's the whole plan of this was to get you to say that. <laughs> but, you say that, man, but let me tell you, D, there's already people out there that are doing very similar things. Oh, I've, I've evaluated I've been evaluating well. scams for a while and, and speaking out whenever I see them. But like it's one of those situations where I spend like I don't want to spend my day looking at fraudulent things it's very draining on on, on the soul and, and there's so no who's gonna do it product who else I, I don't is know gonna do it Corey? yeah i don't know that's that's, ken that's bozak one of the problems. Is gonna do it ken bozak is definitely one of those people that's gonna do it but the problem is i just some people aren't I mean, capable some- of differentiating the different differentiating between a scam and incompetence yes yeah i this think is, that's um, really important i mean Sorry, it's kind dude, of that it's, it's something that i've talked to with Corey. And I mention it in our community often as I'm like, at some point with cryptocurrency, there's got to be a model where the incentive to just contribute to the working things is greater than the incentive to say, you know what, <laughs> Bitcoin 2.0 or you know what, this is Ethereum, but green. It's not purple like you guys like. This is a green Ethereum. Well, I think that already exists, right? It's Ethereum classic, but shit. I don't want to know. What I'm saying is. And I, I never really can articulate the how. I just can articulate the what needs to happen. And that's the difficult thing right now. Um, I guess there's a question here somewhere. I mean, the question has nothing to do with that statement. The question is like you you're you're doing so much research on this topic. What was like the type of person that you saw that was susceptible to this scheme? And is it something that's just totally random or is it like a specific characteristic that like, yeah, you're definitely someone that could fall for this kind of scheme? Well, it depends where in the pyramid we're talking. And in, in the one coin pyramid, you had about 
I would say around a million people. Mm. So a lot of the people towards the top were kind of world-class multi-level marketers that had spent previous years selling the vitamins and the Tupperware and the health supplements and all the rest of it, and then switched to OneCoin because they realized so much money was to be made on their commission and their pyramid downline commission if they switched from the Tupperware to the cryptocurrency. And they didn't really understand the currency at all. They really didn't, but they understood selling to people and they could talk. I'll tell you one thing. One of the only things in the world more complicated than blockchain technology is multi-level marketing compensation structure plans. They're incredibly interesting. And there's a, it's a whole other universe that most people don't know. But then the lower down you go, what you've got to remember is that this started spreading through friends and family. This was word of mouth. This was someone in the local church or the local mosque saying to everyone, hey, I've heard about the next Bitcoin. Who wants to get rich? And that is I don't think you can nail down a particular type of person. Because everyone's interested in that. Everyone has a fear of missing out on the next big thing. And I was often asked, how could anybody believe that you could make such returns on one coin? Because they were offering, you know, you'd make your money back a hundredfold. And the obvious answer is, well, it happened with Bitcoin. So it didn't seem improbable to those people who didn't understand the technology that well. Not one person who really understood Bitcoin would have invested in this. None of them. It's, a comp- it's ordinary yeah. people, you know? You're right about that. But I mean, that's our market. Mass adoption is, um, is, is, is the end game for all of cryptocurrency. So we have to somehow incorporate these people and let, allow them to use this technology safely without them making poor choices like choosing to buy one coin. I think that's really, imp- I think that's so important. And there's a really great guy in this called, um, actually, he's based in California, um, called Timothy Curry sometimes goes by the handle temptation and in around 2015 yeah in around 2015 he's a real bitcoiner yeah Mm -hmm. he's been on bitcoin since maybe 2013 2015 he sees one coin realizes very quickly this is a scam and then starts trying to call it out you know he's online going up to the to the high level multi level marketers saying this is a scam stop promoting it he'd spend hours a day doing this because he said if we want to be a self regulating community somebody from within the bitcoin world has got to get out there and start warning people because the regulators aren't going to and what he was worried about was over regulation by the authorities if scams like this keep happening and for a very long time, he was one of the few people that did. And it's very frustrating because a self-regulating community has to be the like you guys, I suppose. If there is going to be mass adoption, fairly soon there are going to be lots of people who do not understand the tech getting involved. And a lot of them are going to lose out. And, and that would be a real shame. And I, I spoke to, actually, I interviewed Tone Vase for for this program but we he, he didn't make the cut i'm afraid <laughs> yeah but um <laughs> i know Ooh. yeah i like to see that <laughs> <laughs> i wonder I why <laughs> but i asked him what um have you talked about one coin have you because he he's interested in scams isn't he he's always going on about them and he said not really and i said why not and he said because none of my viewers would be stupid enough to believe one coin 
And I was thinking, that's probably true, but it's not your viewers that are the problem. You're, they're not the ones that are going to lose out. It's ordinary people. You've got to go out and find them, try to educate them. Hmm. That's what I'm interested in. Like, I'm not terribly sure you can. It's one of those situations where, like, and you you put it you put it quite well in that clip we played. Like, there's it's tapping into some human, like, hard grained social issue that we have. Uh, because they didn't make anything; they just said the words that Bitcoin said, and tapped into that I think from from a market, multi level marketing. Though, that's campaign. right. That's definitely right. I think sometimes, though, when I go onto some of the crypto specialist websites, it is clearly aimed at insiders. It's the the, the language, what what they're talking about, and it the next wave of people to join will find it all utterly baffling. Um, and one of the problems I think is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I sometimes feel within the crypto community, everyone calls other projects they don't like a scam. Oh, no. I have a severe issue with this. One, you're correct. Not everyone does it. Um, like, but uh, a good portion, I'd say, of the, I don't know, influencers or social media influencers mm. of the space tend to say if it's not what I if it's not within my current wheelhouse it's a scam. Yeah, uh, I'm not yeah. terribly sure why. I think it's mainly because out of, as of, out of laziness or um potentially bag holding like it, I'm only promoting the things that I hold so that I have potential to gain. Everything else is a scam so people don't put their money. But it's also it's also laziness. Like there's a lot of things that exist that could be um potentially viable. I have a limited amount of time to evaluate these things. So I can either write it off as a scam so I don't have to look for it later on down the line or other people stop asking me about it or I say I don't know, which is an admission of like my incompetence, which people aren't necessarily so apt to do, especially in the context of being an influencer. Well, here's the problem when that when that happens. Here's the problem. If, if the Bitcoin maximalists call Ethereum a scam and Litecoin a scam and Ripple a scam and all these other ones a scam. And when someone then calls one coin a scam, it kind of bounces off them because if everything's a scam as well, then nothing's a scam. And how do you, you the, I mean, one coin is a straight up pyramid Ponzi scam. And if you can't differentiate that from thinking, well, I don't believe that Ethereum's got an obvious use case, so that's also a scam, then I'm afraid for an ordinary person, they, they're just lost at sea because everyone's calling everything else a scam. One coin is just one of the many. And this is not just for the social media influencers. It's also the authorities, I think, are guilty of this because they would often say they would issue warnings, generic warnings about cryptocurrency investment. And they would say things like, we are warning citizens to be very careful when investing in cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, or OneCoin, which is playing into the propaganda of OneCoin because OneCoin promoters would then say, aha, look, on par. we're just like Bitcoin. We're the same as Bitcoin. The authorities are scared of us. So maybe the thing that, so maybe what what's going to happen is like a natural, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Convergence, where this can't happen. You said something really interesting in your, in your dialogue at the end of the episode eight. Uh, social immunity. Mm. Um, uh, those two words 
like they struck a chord with me because just like any immune system, it's got to get attacked and kind of fail a little bit first before it heals and comes back stronger. And there's only so many more opportunities for this to go on before you're left with a strong few cryptocurrencies that do what they say and say what they do and no more wiggle room to create these massive uh, false stories tying off of those other cryptocurrencies because of social immunity. People are going to be like, oh, that's just like that one coin thing. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Or that's just like that BitConnect thing. That's stupid. Um, there's really only one thing that does what Bitcoin does. There's one thing that does what Ethereum does. Do you I think like- that it can converge or there's always going to be room for Dr. Rouges? I have <laughs> yeah. I have a strong opinion on that. Jamie, do you want to go first on that one? Oh, <laughs> that's that's a tough opener from Corey, isn't it? I have a very strong <laughs> opinion on this, but you sure go ahead for us. <laughs> I want to give our guests time to talk. That people who listen to me talk all the time. I think. I mean, I think we're always going to be playing a bit of catch up um, because, in my experience, I mean, in the other books I've written, there's just a general tendency of outsiders. In, sometimes that includes amazingly interesting outsiders, really great people political as well as economic, but the, the kind of outsiders in society and they are very often these early adopters of technology and they'll be the first to spot these opportunities. And all the time there are people out there that are sort of either very poor but, or very greedy or a combination of both or whatever, there is always going to be an opportunity. I, I, but the social immunity system can be strengthened, yes, and I think it does learn through mistakes. And the reason... One of the reasons the BBC commissioned this podcast, I think, in the end, was because they felt like uh, the the BBC, if the style of the podcast is for an ordinary listener, it's not for a crypto specialist, really. I mean, I'm hoping it works for the crypto specialist too. But it does, I, as you maybe can tell, it is something for for someone that doesn't understand tech to get into, which is why having a missing person running through it is actually kind of useful. And I think their hope was that we might begin to educate a little bit people about the dangers of trusting in the technology that you have no clue about. People who might be the next wave of sort of, I don't know, cryptocurrency adopters, I guess. And um, yeah, I'm already hearing people on the streets. Every now and again, I go onto Twitter and I just search for the word Rouge or Crypto Queen or whatever. And it's interesting to see people just talking about it who don't understand the tech. They're saying, oh, watch out. This is, could be another one coin. It could be another crypto queen. And I think you're seeing a little bit of that social immune system improve as a result of this story. But that that is the reason we did it in the first place. Hmm. I think, yeah, there's, there's as more scams happen, um, people start to, and I guess data breaches um, from various um, other companies, so maybe like Web2. Uh, type companies, people start to then realize what's important, how to view these things, how to conduct themselves appropriately. Uh, but we're still trying to figure out how to conduct ourselves appropriately on the internet with respect to our own data. Like the, the problems we face today is because we built an internet and no one cared about information they were giving away. And the way we're building these these Web3 systems, these blockchain systems, is um, very, um, it's at an infrastructure level. I keep saying that over and over again. Um, and because of that, people will innovate and build on top of them. Like we had the ICO boom, 
because someone mm. standardized the ability to make a token on the Ethereum platform. That had nothing to do, like it, it had something to do with Ethereum, but people were taking advantage of a single standard, lower the barrier of entry to creating some type of token and then say a bunch of bullshit around it to then make a bunch mm. of money. And, and a lot of those were scams. Some of them were incompetence. A lot of them were incompetence. And, and then there's some really good projects involved. But like every time that happens, when you have such generic platform for innovation or building something so, so low level, you're going to, every time something changes and opens up and you build something, you're going to open up the room for people to not only create new wonderful things for people to, to like work with, but you're also opening up the room for scammers to come in, take advantage of that misunderstanding of how things work and run amok. And that's yeah. not going to stop happening. I don't think. Like, like, how do you build social immunity to that? That's like social immunity to innovation. Yeah, that's, it's true. I don't think you ever will fully, but there was definitely certain things that might have just limited the effect or the number of victims. It, it, I don't think one coin needed to be over 4 billion euros. You could have still had that, I suppose, social immunity effect with a 500 million euro scam. And I think there are certain things that the authorities could have done better. There are certain things that the Bitcoiners could have done slightly better. There are certainly things that the police, I think, could have made, for example, a small number of high profile arrests, probably for some version of securities fraud in the UK of senior people relatively early on so that the, those who were trying to call it out could point to convicted scammers and say, these are the guys at the top of the organization. I wouldn't trust them. But they really did nothing at all and let this thing run almost entirely unchallenged for three years. And when you're talking about the speed with which pyramid scams spread, that's ludicrous. You can't work at that. You, you know, you, I also was very frustrated with the way several fairly well-known organizations that maybe should have done slightly more due diligence allow allowed their brands to be used in association with OneCoin. One of the reasons that Rouge got away with this for so long is because I think everybody assumed that someone else was checking this or that it it it, it wouldn't have been so large had it if it were really a scam. She spoke at a, a big summit organized by The Economist magazine, for example. This very well-respected magazine, of course, which no one there obviously checked properly who she was or what she was doing, because she would then use the footage of her speaking at an Economist event as part of her publicity. Forbes magazine, Bulgaria, the Bulgarian franchise, sold one coin, a advertising space which made it appear that Ruja Ignatova was on the cover of Forbes. Now in Bulgarian it said in big letters this is an advertisement but who reads Bulgarian in Uganda or in Nigeria or Kenya or the UK or wherever this thing spread everywhere but they use that in their marketing as well. So there are certain things where in terms of like lessons to learn from this, and I think you're right, D, you, something like this happens and you tighten up your systems, you learn lessons, people learn lessons, institutions learn lessons. There are certainly things that could mean not quite as many people suffer because I think they will. I think it's inevitable for the reasons you say, Corey, but I think the job is to try to minimize how, how bad that suffering is. 
Isn't course. that what you guys say in the crypto community, though? Some people say that getting, what is it, getting wrecked? People have got to get wrecked. Uh, I think that's overused, but that's kind of like one of those situations where if you invest in something that's stupid, but you should you have learn, known better, do your like due diligence, you you're going to get wrecked. But Yeah, but like everybody is supposed to get wrecked. Don't get me wrong. I, I've been wrecked. It wasn't up to the point where I'm like under a bridge. But I think if you if you wreck yourself under a bridge, then you were destined to wreck yourself, whether it was like with crypto or with, I don't know, betting on Magic the Gathering games, you were destined for it. Well, who's but, who's who's susceptible to help these things? And it's in my opinion, it's people like us. It's it's content producers who come in and get at the people who are saying like, hey, can we have an advertising spot? Can we can we buy an episode? So on and so forth. And then they then they use that to then push their I mean, narrative ba- yeah. and base it on the legitimacy of whatever that content producer is and Vital. someone exactly, in crypto Corey, that is so that is so important because they'll because a lot of content producers they need money you know you need to keep things running oh it's hard in these streets hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> right and but they will any credibility you have that they pay for to use they will use because every no one's got time to check all this stuff and so anyone that is is lending their credibility needs to apply so much due diligence on on any new crypto. Who else? Like who else could help this situation? Like I know content content creators are a large part of that because that's where um I'd say we have the most access to um the uninformed in a lot of ways, especially depending on the type of content you create. I wish uh, I wish more people like Tone Vase were able had I and mean, this is one of the lessons were able to that to talk about these scams in a way that is aimed at ordin possible ordinary next wave investors because then those who get into the nitty gritty and call it out and there will always be people there'll always be good spirited citizens calling this out at the very least they will have respected voices to point to and say look. Tone Vase, who's like him or not, he's one of the most well-known and most well-respected crypto analysts. He's done a whole long thing about one coin. Check it out for yourself. But people weren't. There weren't enough people doing that because mm. they thought this was so stupid that no one would believe in it. They thought no one would be gullible enough. Who has to buy a cryptocurrency through multi-level marketing packages? It's ludicrous. Of course, it's a Ponzi scheme, but ordinary people, it's not obvious. So that's another thing, I, I hope, another thing that you, your side can do, I think. I think that's also maybe part of it. Um, as someone who is technically savvy, understands these things, and what is a scam is incredibly obvious to me. Um, it may be difficult for me to put myself in a position where it's not obvious. So how could I, what are the things that I could do to understand what's not obvious to people when I, I, it's hard for me to see that. Like when people ask me questions, I'm like, oh, okay, I, now I understand you don't get that. I can explain it. But me coming from my own perspective, that may be more difficult. Huh. Do you got any ideas? <laughs> I mean, this is the teacher's dilemma. I mean, this is one of those situations on like college professors, right? Yeah. With the teacher's dilemma, you, you ask questions until you get down to the root of the problem. And that's that's the tough part is when you're talking to people, you can't necessarily ask questions. You've just got to present evidence and hope they come to you with a question. 
I mean, what it boils down to is that the people that are in a position to speak loudly on things like this have to. Um, they should mm-hmm. should be a dutiful or the community should give them the resources talking straight up money to have a a function of what they do that does these things. If Andreas had like Andreas cops, I don't know, whatever he wants to bring. <laughs> and they were like floating around crypto Twitter, pointing out scams. It would do so much for that social immunity. It would be like antibiotics every single day. Or if Tone Vase was doing the same thing. Or if Roger Merrick sat down and shut the hell up. Or if, uh, you know, these people that can't influence actually did influence and, and like, Maybe we shift the dialogue from this education, 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 which obviously backfired in cases like one coin and what was going to be two coin. Uh, and we just actually <laughs> just like go out and say, no, that's a scam for these reasons. My name's Andreas. I literally travel the planet and talk to millions of people. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's a scam. Like, I but think that's not. it. I think that's it. I don't think you need to. I don't think it's a case necessarily of uh, dumbing it down. I think just having really respected voices where they've created authority, they've got a big following, they write a lot, so they have that authority that's constructed over years. Even even them saying in simple language, "This is a, I believe this is a scam. I wouldn't invest in this," and then going into the technicalities of why is fine. It doesn't matter, but the fact that they're out there, so that the other people can then point to that content and say, look, respected people in this industry do not believe this to be a legitimate cryptocurrency. That's only going to work, however. Well, another way of putting it is that won't work as well if they're also calling every other coin under the sun a scam. That's what I was going to bring up. When those coins are going up in value. That's what I was going to bring up is the abuse of that power. Um, that alone is is power to be able to say this is a scam and people stop looking at it because they trust that individual to evaluate things appropriately. And we've seen, we've already seen within the cryptocurrency community itself, it's quite fractured, people calling things that are legitimate use cases or legitimate attempts to become a, uh, by all of the standard ideals of, of decentralized infrastructure, a cryptocurrency or try something novel or try something new to see if it works. And those are called scams because people don't want to put in the due diligence or they're not holding that bag. And that's always going to be an issue because this is digital scarcity, which has value attached to it. How do you decouple that? That's probably one for you guys to answer more than me because you'll know much better within within the community what's going wrong or what needs to happen or who can play a role or far more than I'll know those answers i just i'm now just looking at it from the perspective of the of the you know nine hundred thousand ordinary people who believe they were buying the next bitcoin and it wasn't easy for them to know why what the difference was or what and there were there were there were a lot of non-technical reasons as to why this was a scam i don't think you needed to be a specialist in crypto to know that um uh, you can't have a, a a price that is set centrally where it where the product is not bought and sold on an open exchange. How about it's this? Not a price. When do you get your money back? Yes. Can I can I get rid of it now? 
for the what I paid for it. And there were times where they were, for example, saying, well, if you spend 5,000 euros, you'll get, you know, 10,000 one coin, each of which has this dollar value. But if you buy this super extra special power pack for 100,000 euros, you'll get 10 times more one coin than that. And it, it just, the mathematics of it didn't make sense. Hmm. But that's an but appeal. She was a doctor of finance, though. No, she law. Studied law. She studied law and finance. She studied law. She worked in finance, but her degrees were in, finance, in, were in law. Yeah. I mean, Amazing. not to, to keep going back to the same point, but what it boils down to is like when this is something that I guess humanity needs to understand in general is that the more people that start listening to the shit you say, the less you get to say whatever the hell you want. And there's no like, <laughs> so there's, there's, there's no like, you can try to be punk rock or whatever, but you're just an idiot. Like the more people listen to what you say, the less you have a responsibility now to say things that aren't just completely stupid. And, and you also don't get to always say the stuff you want to say. Mm. That's just your responsibility to mankind. So, like, people like Andreas, somebody in his circle be, should be saying, like, hey, I, I understand you want to do these three talks a week, but that fourth week of the month, you got to do something that benefits more than just you or more than just your community. It benefits people outside of your community and more. There's nobody in any one circle anymore of these so-called influencers that's telling them that fact of life. And that's what kind of sucks. Like, Roger Ver, okay, you want to pump Bitcoin cash? Five days out of the week, those other two days out of the week, you need to do something that's not on your own agenda or on Bitcoin Cash community's agenda. And nobody's telling these people these things. And that's just a fact of, of life. I mean, that's just mm. what it is. So, uh, you is know, that differentiated here versus the blockchain space? Isn't that just how most people work? That's That should just be how things work. I mean, but people some for some reason or another, people are forgetting that. And we're just kind of as a as I mean, this is happening globally. But like don't you somebody, think as well, Corey, that if you're in this new relatively unregulated space where you want to be self-regulating, want to be responsible, self-regulating also surely means people within that community take the time and effort to make sure they do self-regulate. And part of that job has to be going out there and policing the boundaries almost. Well, Timothy Curry, the, the Californian guy who was doing this and spending a lot of time doing it, he, he basically, the way he puts it is, I'm not happy that there are people coming onto the Bitcoin yard and taking a dump on it. And I feel like it's my job to try and stop them. I do that. And mm -hmm. I do that regularly, actually. It's, but it, it's, it has limited reach. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we have I mean, limited reach. Our audience listens to us. But, but you know what Timothy Curry did? And I'm not saying he's necessarily got it right, but he was proactively going out to those forums, mm. finding them, mm -hmm. posting in them, explaining to them. You know, he wasn't just putting it out to his own audience. He was he was trying to proselytize. To, he was taking the fight to them. I think that's and the difference. Got, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe he stopped a lot of people. Maybe it would have got even bigger without people like him doing that. I'm not saying it's the only responsibility, by the way. I hold the authorities more responsible. I hold mainstream media slightly responsible because 
Most of the mainstream media never covered this because they took one look at it and just assumed one coin was another cryptocurrency, another ICO scam or whatever, and just thought, oh, this is one for the crypto specialist to cover, not me. And the crypto specialist took one look at it and thought, this is a ridiculous Ponzi scheme. We don't need to cover this. And both sides missed it and it fell down the middle. And it hurt a lot of people. Well, I would say a million people roughly have invested money in one coin. And as with most pyramid scams, the 5% at the top made a killing and everybody else lost out. And you didn't hear in that little segment of episode eight, that was the last episode, but we were in Uganda. I mean, I was in a small village where Dr. Ruja Ignatova is as famous as Satoshi Nakamoto. One coin is as well known as Bitcoin. Everyone there knows about it. And there were some bits where some places where nearly everyone in the village had invested in one coin and they still believe in it today. I mean, that can't be right, man. We got we can do something about this. Well, we've got to try and do something about this. Here's one thing that I think you mentioned earlier on um, that the reason why most people haven't heard about this is because it happened in a place where we're not necessarily looking. So in some sense, um, the multi-level marketing folks or the people behind OneCoin who uh, who talked to the market multiple marketing folks understood that there was a need that we didn't see because a good portion of our narrative is banking the unbanked. Like they they said the lines that we came up with to people who yeah. needed to hear it. Why haven't yes. we done that? Because that's what we've done. That's to throw back at yeah. you, but you're absolutely right. I mean, Ruja Ignatova. And her brother, Constantine, and some of the other top promoters were in Uganda. They were in Kenya. They were in Singapore. They were in India saying, here we are. We are going to bank the unbanked. Here is our cryptocurrency. They took it to them. And it was in Uganda. And I, I keep saying Uganda, but that's the country I visited for a week investigating. Over, over half the people don't have access to a bank account. This this. You know, this turned, This was perfect when it turned up. This was exactly what people wanted. Well, to be fair, um, nothing is as sexy as that. That's legitimate right now. I can't go to Uganda and say, this is going to save your life. I can teach mm. them how to use a wallet. I can teach them how to interact with themselves. I can, build, I can maybe build the infrastructure for them to, run, to, to route transactions and do these types of things. I will not and cannot tell them they're going to get rich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of hubris for people to go somewhere and say they're going to save the, those people's lives. And I really wish this whole community would stop doing that. Because <laughs> if you yeah. say you're going to bank the unbanked, don't say it from the comfort of your air-conditioned home in, like, Arkansas. Just go over there and do it and shut the hell up. I, I mean, because opinion, one, that's the that's problem. <laughs> I don't think we're ready for it yet. Like, we can do certain things to make a lot of people's lives better in terms of remittance and so on and so forth. But the required infrastructure to do so is still kind of difficult. And we're yeah. so idealistic in terms of how you should do this technology that we refuse to make any compromise in terms of maybe centralizing a little bit of it to better a tremendous amount of people's lives. In the interim of building the real solution where they have full control over things. Mm. Hmm. I yeah. mean, this, it's interesting things to try and tackle. And that's probably why one coin was allowed to get away with so much. But I hope the social immunity is, is, is going to grow 
moving forward. And, you know, there's a, there's a reason why, like, I hope anyone listening to this, uh, you know, you kind of share the message that like, if you're going to be involved in the crypto community um, and you see stuff like this pointed out, tag Andreas, man, make him work. Like you don't just get to be famous and do whatever you want, like work for it. I guess you can, if you're like a movie actor or something. <laughs> but, that, like, that make right. him, I wanna... yeah, make Go ahead, Dave. Sorry. No, no, I'm done. I haven't really asked any questions this whole time. I've just been talking. Oh, it's been a great conversation and I wanted to wrap it up because I feel like we've already taken quite a bit of Jamie's time. Oh, and you remember I'm I'm uh, it's quarter past midnight over my side as well. So <laughs> yeah, is there anything you'd like to oh, um right. point our listeners to? Um where can they find you? Definitely go find uh the missing crypto queen. You can find it on any podcast application. It's worth your listen. Wonderfully done. Um anything else you'd like to pitch? No, thanks, Corey. You know, that's it really. It's just it's just to listen to that listen to that podcast and I guess yeah, the main target audience was the mainstream public. But I having worked on this stuff in the past, I did want to make sure it was relevant to a crypto audience as well. And I, I didn't know how exactly. I just knew it was a story uh, that they you guys would hopefully enjoy and, and take something from. I don't know exactly what the lessons are, though. I, I hope that people within that community take the lessons that they hear from it and figure out and decide what can we do? What How could we stop the next one coin? Because honestly, there are already clone copies of this MLM slash fake crypto Ponzi pyramid model continuing all around the world and often in quite poor countries. And whatever we can do, whatever you guys can do, to try to slow that down would be amazing. And then it would be job done and the podcast would have achieved everything I ever hoped it would. Well, we'll do our best to try and pick <laughs> that mantle up. You have one community behind you, that's for sure. And I'll do whatever I can well, to try and you. help with that. Well, I'm really grateful you listened to it and got in touch and had me on. So I really appreciate that. Nice.